0: Hi, I'm Matt Kierkegaard, and thanks to Cry Malt, this is Beer is a Conversation. This week I catch up with Richard Watkins, co-founder and head brewer at Canberra's Bent Spoke Brewing. Richard can fairly be described as a craft beer pioneer, having brewed at the famed Wigan Pen Brewery for 17 years before founding Bent Spoke in 2013. Regular listeners will recall we had originally planned to speak to Richard during our live Hottest 100 countdown in January, but when we were scheduled to chat, Crankshaft, their flagship beer, had not yet appeared in the count and he didn't want to miss the potential announcement. Today, with the passage of a couple of months, we talk about the Hottest 100 and what having three top 30 beers means to a brewery such as his. We discuss beer freshness, his struggles with the word craft, the importance of the meaning of the word independence and much, much more. It's a wide-ranging conversation and Richard is well known for his deliberative approach and also his willingness to speak his mind all of which make for a fascinating discussion. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Radio Brews News, Richard Watkins from Boat Brewing. G'day Matt, how are you going? Good mate, good. Uh, how's things with you? We were hoping to catch you on the day of the Hottest 100, but you had other more important things I gather.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, you know, like uh, the whole timing, I guess, was a bit tight and then you got bombarded with these um, surfers from just around the corner.
0: By that, I wasn't actually having a dig. Uh, I, I meant uh, you got caught up with uh, hosting <laughs> celebrations at the uh, at, at the brewery. Yeah, no,
1: we did. And then, look, we, when we first started talking, we were around, I think, the 12th or the 15th mark and I sort of didn't want to be caught up for, you know, for 15, 20 minutes, whatever you, however long you were <laughs> going to chat to me for a and have crankshaft come up, and uh, as it was, we probably could have had a chat like at number fifteen. But um, you know, I mean, any any spot in the top twenty is um, pretty privileged, I reckon.
0: Oh, absolutely, and you know, like we um we just schedule people who we wanted to talk to, and it was actually you know it was actually uh, Phil Mettings who said, "Oh, why don't you have a have a chat?" So we'd uh, there, there was absolutely no planning around when we got you in, um, but it would have been nice to have you on online uh, as some of those uh, beers were revealed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll be around still around next year, so I
0: reckon we'll be uh, still around the top 20. Yeah, so, mate, what does it mean to a brewery uh, to to have had three beers uh, feature so well in the Hottest 100?
1: Yeah, look, it means a lot. It really does. I mean, the main reason it means a lot is because it's voted on by the people who buy and drink your beer, and I think that's really important to acknowledge, that it's great to win awards in technical brewing competitions around the world and, um, you know, we're lucky enough to have won a few of those as well. But I, I, I put all those in the closet to have, you know, to have a, a top three in, in the Gab's Hottest 100.
0: <laughs> and what what do you think it means? Uh, I, I, I sort of, uh, during the podcast, talked uh, about, you know, there's a, a metric where it's distribution by hype squared. So, you know, breweries with bigger distribution don't necessarily have a great advantage because it's also about how exciting your beers are and how much people are talking about them and then that can sometimes have a multiplier effect you guys have obviously had greater distribution um since you put the beer in cans and it's been getting out there but you're also creating a lot of excitement so you seem to have that right mix yeah we are we have got
1: some distribution it's very limited still though i mean we're still you know still well over 80 maybe even 85 percent of Beer sold is in Canberra, which is you know it's really fantastic to see and and to think that we're selling that much beer in a population of four hundred thousand people. But we are we are definitely getting more beer out further afield, um, especially in the New South Wales. And something like this coming number three, especially with crankshaft, but also having ten percent of the top thirty, you know, it was was certainly going to help get people talking about Ben Spoke and, and maybe giving us a go on a tap or in their fridge, you know, restaurant, or bar yeah. or a bar
0: or, you know, a bottle shop. Once you got the results in, like, did the phone suddenly start ringing, people wanting to get the beer on? They, you know, that they, they'd they seen the results and thought, well, she, we need to get on the uh, Ben Spoke bike?
1: Um, yeah, we did. We certainly started fielding a lot of a lot of calls in the weeks, the two weeks after. And, and obviously, we, you know, with that comes <coughs> our, other... You know, other pressures on the team um, at all different, in all different departments. So we, we really just had to take stock. And it's one thing to, in, in this wholesale business, it's a lot different to a brew pub. So in a wholesale business, you really need to be able to control growth. It's really important. Without controlling growth, you're just flying around everywhere and not being able to um, really, you know, put systems in place at work be able to make sure that the quality is is as good as it needs to be and so I think we've taken stock of this and and we've you know we've certainly employed more people we've certainly um, purchased more equipment you know we've changed the way we do things to, to try and make sure that we can get more beer out and that's going to be an evolving hopefully an evolving process for you know for a little while especially as the market's still, seems to be growing pretty strongly in Australia.
0: We've seen a bit of discussion recently looking at, um, you know, beer shelf life, particularly in the craft beer part of the market and, you know, how long some beers are sitting on warm shelves and whether craft beer is geared for that sort of thing. Where, where do you sit? Do, you know, you, you don't sell uh, a lot of beer out of uh, the, the brew pub. What you do is fairly local Is that a conscious decision or is it just that you haven't got to the stage that you can send it wider yeah we just haven't got to the stage of getting it
1: wider i guess what i've worked out is in in the wholesale game it comes down to having really good packaging equipment um if you if you don't have good packaging equipment you're really um you're really behind the eight ball from day one um and our canning line we've outgrown it so we're we're getting through at the moment but we're restricting where we sell our beer because we can't we can't package enough you know enough cans to satisfy the requests that we've had from from Melbourne and Sydney, um, and we've also had, some in, a fairly big interest from Brisbane as well. So, you know, we've we've got to do this. There's no point saying, oh yeah, we'll send this here, and then we, and then what happens is bottle shops in Canberra run out, and you know they've been our bre- bread and butter since day one. So, it's not very good business decision to to let your local bottle shops run out of beer. So we we just got a we we are going through a packaging line upgrade in a couple of months, and that will really allow us to build a footprint, build our footprints in in Victoria and in South Wales, and and head into Queensland.
0: So is your view that uh, like you can send beer th- up to Queensland because you know that at the volumes you'll be selling it, they'll be pulled through at the retail end, or you know, do do you have concerns for your beer if it's uh, not moving through the the, the retail chain uh, quickly?
1: Um we're still learning all about that. I mean, we're, we've been conscious to not, you know, not potentially fulfil every order that we've 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 been asked to. Um, but we also get some pretty good indication from some of the chains on how well the beer is going, and they're the ones that are coming to us really and asking to increase from you know 100 stores up to 150. So. As we increase in stores we, we we think that our beer won't be sitting around in distribution centers it'll be um, and if we keep our you know we keep our marketing we keep telling our story and and spreading the message we hope that people will give us a go and that'll help you know not have beer sitting around for too long
0: you, you just talked about uh, our message and our and our story you've you've uh been you've had been outspoken in the past on worrying about you know what craft means and what craft represents and uh, also about the the whole notion of uh, the independent Brewers Association changing its constitution to exclude the the, the bigger players where do you see uh, the important definition or you know w- w- what do you see uh, happening in the market at the moment in uh, regard to independence and craft
1: well I guess I mean independent is a big that's that's a really big important word, and I'm fully 100 percent behind independent. Um, I still struggle with the word craft. I've, you know, I've done enough tours of bigger breweries over the years to know how passionate about their employee employees are that work for them um, about the product that they make, and you know, and everything that goes into that. Um, I still, so I do still struggle with with the word craft. Um, what does craft really mean? Um, if you take the independent argument out of craft, which was where craft really came into the beer industry in Australia, it was more coming from an independent angle. But now that we've got an independent brewers association, I, I think that's really important. And in some ways, I, I'd like to
0: see Coopers even get involved
1: because, you know, they're independent and technically they make, you know, they make craft.
0: I I, I go back um, to to when I first got interested in beer, and it's not as long ago as uh, even someone as yourself who's been brewing for such a long time, but there wasn't this notion of craft beer, there wasn't a focus on independence in those days, um, except so far as the big brewers had no interest in making these more, uh, you know, I- exciting beers. Do you think that if the big brewers had have led the charge that, um, you know, going back 20 years ago, if, if they had had a bigger focus on craft and been more willing to provide a wider diversity of flavours, that that may have forestalled some of the, you know, independent growth anyway?
1: Yeah, it could have. And look, they, a lot of them tried. I mean, you think back to when Master Brewery was up at Sanctuary Cove and that was, that was part, you know, Partially owned by CUB, and then that sort of moved um, when CUB acquired Matilda Bay, and then Matilda Bay setting up down in Melbourne, and that that drove a lot of different beers. And they had the opportunity there really to to really cement some some good brands in the Australian beer market. But I think they were always too worried that they were going to take too many sales away from their core core brands of you know the likes of Carlton Draft, and Melbourne Bitter, and VB. But the reality is that, the, that those brands are declining now, anyway, and and it's the independent um, brewers that have taken you know the sales from from the big guys. I mean, I guess Lion like Nathan, you know, involved with James squire for for a long time now, has has sort of, and then and then obviously more recently in Little Creatures has certainly tried to get more of that sector of the market. I mean, where does Furphy fit in? Where does the beer furfy fit? Does it fit in, you know, does it fit in the, I guess the craft segment? Um, and is the leaderage that furfy's doing now, is that, is that counted as the in the crafts uh, segment leaderage, or is it counted in the mainstream segment? I mean, I, I don't have an answer to that question.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'd always assume that it was craft. Um, yeah, you know, it was a, it was a, a a very entry level in terms of the intensity of the flavour, but. Given that it came from little creatures, I'd always assumed it was craft. But uh, my understanding is that for things like IRI data, um, it's counted as mainstream. Um, so you, you won't be seeing it in craft beer statistics because of its price point.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, you know, so now you've got the the little creatures' arm of or the, the yeah little creatures' arm of making beers that aren't aren't included in craft, and that's sort of somewhat. Ironic, wouldn't
0: you think? Well, yeah, although I think it's been recently... Mate, you obviously don't keep up with Bruce News. Uh, James wrote an article a, a week or so ago saying that it's been moved up to Sydney now. Yeah, OK, well, there you go. So uh, And, and uh, yeah, un, un, unabashed uh, doing it. So, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things that, you know, I was once very passionate about ideas of craft and things, but then the more I see the way that beer fits in with people's lives, um, I'm seeing less and less... Um, you know, beer is where I'm standing, one thing, um, and the rest of it is about the, sto- the, the, the story that you tell, which is going back to, to uh, the comment you made about the story that you guys are telling about ben spoke. Labelling some of these things almost reduces them um, or makes them less important. And it's the in- individual story that breweries are telling that seemed to me to be the most important thing and the thing that people are engaging with.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, people definitely, you know, like I think the wine industry certainly did it well certainly longer ago i think the trend in the wine industry now is to have very simple labels with hardly any um information on them but back in the day they used to have wine labels used to have a bit of a story on them they used to tell people you know a little bit about the winery and maybe where the name came from because the wine industry has always been very good at coming up with good names for wineries and i think the beer industry probably can do a lot more of that i mean we're, we're guilty a little bit we've had a lot of people um, tell us that there's not enough information on our cans and we should be putting more information on there. Um, not a lot of real estate left on our cans, so what do we what do we take <laughs> off, I guess? Um, but, uh, you know, and, and it's an expensive exercise to go through and change, you know, change change the design on a can, you know, with something we've taken on board and we'll probably try and um, do at some point when we change our design.
0: I guess going back to the freshness thing, do you guys date stamp your cans with a like a canned on date or a used by date or a best before date? Yeah, we put a best before date. I mean, we started off doing six months and then we found that
1: whilst we were telling retailers and we had information about it, it, it became confusing for the consumer because they were buying beer that had 12 months and then we had six months. So if they bought our beer and it was only three months old, they thought it was Instead of thinking it was three months old, they were thinking it was three months before it went out of date. So we ended up going to twelve months on it. I mean, we still, we still, I still, we all in the team still do a bit of research when we, especially going into state and going into bottle shops and seeing what the dates are on, on cans that people are selling. And we're we're getting pretty good. We're getting pretty good numbers. It's very hard to find beer from us that's over six months old. Um... Which I think is reasonably good in this day and age, considering how big Australia is and how, you know, how hard it is to rotate stock through the bigger distribution centres and through the main
0: sort of distribu- liquor distributors. And, and what do you think about putting canned on dates on on cans and letting the consumer? Because I, I, I take your point that with so many different um, dates that it can be confusing to the consumer. But do you think there is merit in having a canned on date? Um, as a means to teach consumers about these things or let consumers make a decision? Yeah, well,
1: um, in the ACT, um, we have to have a, an ACT health license to be able to sell a food product. And we need to put a best before date on. Um, I'm not sure what the rules are in every other state, to be honest. Um, but w- we would then have to have two... It would be near impossible for us to put two dates on a can, simply because the way that the date is sprayed onto the bottom of the can, the can is coming across the ink jetter at any different different orientation. So it's not a set orientation on the can where the date goes on. So to have two would be... Well, I'm not saying it would be impossible, but it'd be. I think it would be quite tricky to to have consistency of two dates right but i share i share that look i do share that i think that's a potentially if we can convince um our act health to do that i I think that's a much better idea the only thing is because it's a food product it you know there's plenty of there's plenty of uh food manufacturers out there who know when they package their food that well, so they might put 12 months on it. it probably last for three years, four years or whatever, and it, it'll be fine. But as you and I know, there's still a lot of people out there packaging beer that you wouldn't want to be drinking it in three or four years. So the only problem with having a canned on, <coughs> on date is that it doesn't sort of tell people when it's likely to be, you know, undrinkable, I guess, mm. in some ways. I mean, I think, I think these days if, if, the movement maybe shouldn't be about having a canned-on date. It should be about making sure that the beer's, you know, it's still got six months of life left in it.
0: Yeah. I mean, do, I mean, do you think that there are... I mean, I mean, obviously the rules are going to be different for for different beers and different styles. Um, you know, we, we've become accustomed to, you know, beer with 12-month shelf life from, you know, fairly anodyne, um, highly pasteurised and, you know, very well-made beers that, you know, do last. And then the flavour ageing that creeps in is is relatively mild. Um, But then we've also got craft beers that tend to be, have very, very volatile uh, hop compounds and aromas. And whilst the the beer, there's nothing wrong with the beer, some of the reasons, you know, some of that vibrancy that we um, love about craft beers um, can disappear quite quickly.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, you know, if I was being honest, I think our beer's the best best drunk. Obviously, you know, in the first couple of months, but um, the reality of trying to enforce a two month use by or a, a best before date is is logistically impossible. Um, I, I would think. I mean, I I couldn't think of a way how we could possibly do that. But I mean, the beer does hold up. We have got we've actually we actually put a a carton of beer aside from every single batch that we've canned since we've started. Um, and we do do regular testings on those beers. And we um, have been very surprised with how how well some of the beer has held up. You know, in some ways, that's a small achievement, I think, for a small brewery packaging their beer. Sorry, a large achievement.
0: You, you've been brewing for 22 years, 23 years now? Yeah, it'd be about that. About that. When you got into brewing, um, did did you ever think we would see a stage where there was the enthusiasm and the excitement and the growth that we're seeing now?
1: Uh, I was lucky enough to go to the US fairly early on when I started brewing. And I think once you go, going to the US at an early stage and, and being able to potentially see what an industry could look like that that sort of said to me. Oh, look, there's going to be a momentum in Australia at some point. It, it happened a lot slower than what I probably thought. Um, not sure really the reasons behind that. Um, maybe just not a, enough people interested in wanting to get into the industry. You know, there is a, a reasonably high barrier to entry. You know, it is quite it's quite hard to to sell beer wholesale and, and make you know make um, make a profit. But I like that. I really like that. And I don't. I'm not in the camp of campaigning for excise relief as everybody, a lot of other people are, for that reason. Because I think it'll ruin the Australian industry. But I think that going back, actually, yeah, going back to the original question. Yes, I mean I was lucky enough to go to the U.S. I saw what was going on over there and knew that at some point in Australia we would, you know, per head of population, we would have some sort of the same. Intensity of breweries as the US, which I think, without having the numbers in front of me and running them all off, we we must be pretty close to the same number of breweries per capita. Um, potentially even more, we could be potentially more twenty five million people versus what one hundred and fifty million, sorry, three hundred and fifty million. I'd say we'd have more breweries per capita, really. So, but uh, you know, I think the, the the movement was quite slow and. I, I, it did take time for it to get going, but I think once it started and we got to sort of 12 small breweries in Australia, it was back when I started, there was only four small breweries in Australia. Um, I think they started to snowball along a bit then. Um, and, and, you know, then there were little pockets of breweries forming like the Melbourne pocket um, and the Perth pocket. And they were really critical, I think to the growth of the whole industry, having, People seeing that that having multiple breweries in the same in the same geographical location can work, and that sort of got other people setting up breweries near other breweries as well, and creating a bit of a scene. And I think that all then just has now turned into what we have today, and really good, vibrant industry. And and um, you know, happy to be happy to you know, excited to be part of it. Really
0: interested in taking up that point that you made about excise because it's one of the uh, sort of easy way to get a standing ovation is to call for excise reform, but you're in the camp that uh, you, you don't think that it's it's good and you, you actually said it'll damage the industry.
1: Well, I think it will. I think it will big time because I, I think at the moment, like let's face it, everyone knows how much it costs to make beer. Everyone knows how much it costs to make someone else's keg of beer. So the only the only variables in, in the cost of people making beer are really... Um, You know your labour component per litre, depending on how big your brewery is. Um, That's a critical one. That's potentially the biggest problem in our industry. Um, But apart from that, really, the last you know, and it's tight. Look, I know that you know we we had a plan to do a a, a wholesale brewery in three years, three years after we opened Bent Space, and we. We sold a lot more beer through the pub than what we possibly could have thought we would have done. So that enabled us to try and to do it a lot earlier than that. And when you start really putting a business plan together for a wholesale brewery, the labour component really sticks out. So you really need to be making, you know, a five thousand litre batch of beer to really be able to, um, you know, run a profitable profitable business. I mean, I know there's other breweries out there that are smaller and that they do a good job and they make. Beer profitably as well, but if they were making 5,000 litre batches instead of the smaller size batch, I'm sure they wouldn't be arguing. Now, because the margins are so, you know, are quite controlled and quite tight in, in wholesale beer, if we suddenly take excise out of the equation, which is a big component too, what's going to happen? We're going to get people coming into our industry, not for the love of it, they're going to come into our industry because they know they can make money. Well, they think they can make money because the, the margin on the beer will be better. So our market out there will have a lot of people coming into, the, coming into the industry, paying a good marketing company to come up with a brand, not really having a story, not really investing in the industry, simply just coming in to make money. And that what's going to happen with that is that these, these breweries that have been set up will, will flood the market with with cheaper beer that a lot of places will just chuck on their rotating taps and 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 you know and these breweries may well even buy taps or whatever they're going to do and what that'll do is it will it will just force a lot of breweries out of the, out of business because they, they simply won't have anywhere to supply their beer to anyone to buy their beer you know even packaging beer people will be able to make beer cheaper they'll be able to sell beer Cheaper, and there'll be more people wanting to wanting to do that as a business decision rather than do it for a cultural or a you know a love decision. I mean, I don't think there's too many people who are involved in a brewery in Australia that that don't have some sort of love towards the industry. And I think excise helps keep that barrier up. You've really got to come into the industry and work hard, and you know, and and the rewards are going to be there if you if you. Create a story, create some good beer and and keep it local, you know, as well. Like really work with your local, um, you know, the, the, your local partners, your local supporters. And I just think that's all. We're just going to lose all that. We get, we're going to lose all that. And I, I don't think, they'll, I think the recovery from that will be, I'm not sure how that would, how, how it will end up, to be honest with you.
0: Do you think if there was excise relief given, um, you know, in, in the way that it was given to wine, that that um, money would stay in the brewer's pocket anyway? It, because uh, we're seeing a lot of discounting and price competitiveness in the market as it is, with uh, um, you know the, the number of breweries that we've got and trying to get place on taps. Uh, if excise relief brought a whole lot of new players in. I actually see beer becoming cheaper, which might get more con- you know, make it more appealing to consumers, but I don't actually know that breweries will make more money um, off that excise reduction.
1: Look, I guess it depends how the excise relief goes. Is it going to be more of a rebate back on excise you've already paid or is it going to be a volumetric change to the rate to take into account into account the spirit um, producers and the wine producers as well? The problem we've got is that excise is not fairly... Forget about the rate of excise um, brewers' pay. Excise isn't fairly treated through Australia because the wine industry has a free run. And that that's where the government needs to you know, pull its socks up and, and, and do something about. And, and if they bring in volumetric tax, then that could be where it will allow what I was saying earlier to potentially happen. Because the volumetric tax rate potentially will be obviously a lot higher for wine, um, similar levels for spirits that it is now, but it potentially would be cheaper for beer. If if it was done based on a rebate of how much you pay in excise, well, that potentially could be a different kettle of fish. But I don't think that's really what people are campaigning for. They want to see the actual rate of excise lowered so that they don't have to pay as much excise up front and not have to wait for a rebate to come back in whatever the time period is that the rebates come back in. Um, I mean, I was speaking to a, a craft distiller only yesterday, and we shared the same opinion about it. it, it they, the last thing that a distillers, the craft distillers want, is, is to see any change to, to the excise because, for that very reason, because then people will come into their industry, be able to set up stills, and um, flood the market with, with cheek spirit that, that, you know, it doesn't have any love or a story behind it. So I think that's, you know, there's there's, there's obviously a few points of view on it, a few skills of thought. Um, I'm not saying I'm right on it. It's just a, it took a long time for this industry to get to where it is. It would be a shame to, uh, to see it go backwards in a short period of time.
0: Careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. One thing before uh, but before I let you go, you uh... You, you were picked up by Singapore Airlines last year. Very exciting to see craft beer getting a, a place or getting a seat on the plane for airlines like Singapore. Has that been a, a, a good thing for you? Or have you, have you had much feedback from people who have tried your beers uh, in business class? Yeah, and it is actually available in economy on, upon request as well. Oh, awesome. Um, it's not something really advertised, but... Um, <laughs> no one listens.
1: Okay, tell
0: you that. <laughs> Um,
1: but, uh, yeah, look, we have had a lot of good response back from it, people enjoying their fly. We've had a fair few people taking social media shots and when they've landed, posted them, which have been really good. Um, you know, it is it is it was a great opportunity and we're really lucky to be the one that, you know, they asked to, to do it. Um, we've had good thing, uh, feedback from Singapore as well on how it's been going with the customers on on the plane, so um, yeah, no, it's it's been a you know it's been all those all those little things help to build a brand. So um, count ourselves pretty lucky
0: that that opportunity came through our front door. Really, oh mate, really excited to see how things are going for you. Uh, thank you very much for your time today. There is so much more that uh, we could talk about. Um, we are hoping to get down to Canberra. Um, before too much longer and, and get the team on the road and uh, we'll definitely be stopping by Ben's, Park, Ben's Park when we do.
1: Fantastic, yeah. Thanks very much and uh, keep up all your good work and uh, getting the, the word of beer out there around Australia. It's um, You know, it wouldn't be the same if we didn't have people like yourself talking about beer, wanting to spread the, the word about good beer and, uh, you know, I mean, I know you guys work just as hard as what us brewers do, so um, I, I don't know if... if You feel as though many people tell you that, but it's definitely appreciated that, that you know, there is a voice of our industry out there telling people about what's going on in the world
0: of beer. Oh, mate, thank you for that. That's that's very kind of you. But uh, we're only here because you are, so uh, (laughs) keep doing what you're doing. No worries, mate. We'll have a beer soon. That'd be great. Thanks, mate. And that was Richard Watkins. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the shows as well. Finally, we've had an amazing response to the last two episodes with a record number of comments and emails. Thank you for taking the time to let us know what you think. Maybe we should uh, keep offering gift packs for the best letter. Even if we don't, please keep them coming and let us know what you think, because after all, beer is a conversation.